I'm Annabelle Prokopi, and a couple years ago, I stepped into the world of a young climate activist, and I haven't looked back. I believe in creating powerful and measurable change while thinking deeper about the topics you're fighting for. This is the On Strike with Insight podcast. And you're listening to Activism from All Angles. This is a series of conversations with activists from all around the world who bring to the table different perspectives, mindsets, and questions. We talk about the climate crisis, its intersectionality, youth leadership, and so much more. This is a series for everyone, whether you call yourself an activist or not. Let's do it. Sí, hola, muchas gracias por tenerme aquí hoy. Eh, también me emociona mucho grabar este podcast. María Reyes is a climate activist and identifies as a queer woman. They have been a climate activist for two, almost three years now. Right now, she's actually dedicating almost all of her time to activism by taking some time before university because she feels the urgency. They've actually been a climate activist after being involved in movements for feminism and against racism. Like so many others, her mind was blown when she understood just how systemically connected all of these issues are. Maria is a part of projects for the future of Mexico and for MAPA, most affected people and areas activism. Finally, she's very active with Fridays for Future International. Now, I was very interested in hearing more about the effects of the climate crisis in Maria's own community or in other communities in Mexico, of course, with the understanding that all communities are not affected equally and that the climate crisis affects many people in many different ways. Maria starts by saying that the country is very diverse. Politically, it is a part of North America, Latin America, and South America. Really, it is all of America. So, the effects of the climate crisis take distinct forms in each region of the country. A crucial part of the fight for climate justice is the emphasis on staying below 1.5 degrees of global warming, in line with the Paris Agreement. Moreover, the last decade, the average global warming has already reached 0.98 degrees, and in Mexico, they've already reached 1.4. So while the worldwide fight is for 1.5 degrees, in Mexico, this is already the reality. So what happens when this daunting temperature is reached? Maria told me that it changes the climate conditions, it changes the balance of ecosystems, and moreover, there are droughts and floods that impact crops. Mexico's principal economy relies on these crops and agriculture, and farmers are already facing extreme consequences. Why? Because the main way for these farmers to earn money and to support their families is found in agriculture. And as Maria said, the climate crisis is causing their crops to be less productive. And this sector of the population is statistically much more impoverished, economically speaking. 
but also occasionally farmers are forced to use fertilizers and pesticides on their crops, especially due to the climate crisis. And many times, this is a form of environmental racism. And why? One, because they do not have the adequate resources to understand how to use these chemicals. Many farmers in these rural regions speak their native languages, not primarily Spanish. So they're going to have much more difficulty understanding how to appropriately utilize various farming methods such as pesticides. Additionally, many studies have shown that the use of these chemicals has an adverse and negative effect on the health of these farmers. Now, this is only one aspect of the effects of climate change and environmental health in the country where Maria lives. This drastic change of temperature and the heat wave experienced with reaching one degree of warming has thrown much of the country into heat wave-related turmoil, causing dismay and even deaths. Not only this, but according to Maria, Mexico is currently experiencing a water crisis. First, because there are droughts, not surprisingly, as many states in the country are already feeling the effects of almost hitting the 1.5 degree warming mark caused by climate change. This is very significant because soon there simply won't be adequate water in many places. Now, this situation of inadequate water is terrible for communities. It's hurting crops even more, and it's threatening basic needs for living. However, this water crisis is being exacerbated because many times there are international companies that are placing claims on the water and contaminating it. This hits close to home for Maria. In her own community, there is a conflict with a company that is robbing the water from rural communities, like hers, and selling it as bottled water that's sold all around the world. This company has, as Maria says, the nerve to rob the water from her community and sell it in plastic bottles. Now, we've talked about the effects of climate change on crops, of the heat waves, of the climate crisis, as it relates to water. But there is also a crisis with energy in Mexico. The problem simplifies down to a lack of information and resources surrounding the climate crisis. Many citizens don't have the adequate information to learn about and understand the devastating effects of climate change and the role that energy plays on it. While politicians and government continue to support fossil fuel companies, the strongest crisis, according to Maria, is that of a lack of information. So, the climate crisis and climate justice is a matter of intersectionality, a matter that affects many people in many different ways, as Maria discussed. Maria has already touched on the idea of environmental racism, the idea that marginalized communities and communities of color experience the greatest environmental harm. But going into this episode, I also knew that Maria is very passionate about the idea of environmental feminism as well. And I wanted to hear more about this and how feminism got her into the environmental movement in the first place. See, 
Como te decía al principio, María first became a climate activist after being involved in feminism for all of her life. When she was 15, she read about a small movement in India of women defending their territory. And that's when the idea of ecofeminism really hit her. She said, Dije, claro, esto también pasa en mi país, esto también pasa en mi comunidad, ¿no? Of course, this also happens in my country, this also happens in my community. She points out how women in Mexico and throughout Latin America also have to defend their territories. Wow, está todo conectado. Everything is connected. We can also see that the current young movement for climate action is primarily led by women and girls. Mm, tiene que haber ahí una conexión, ¿no? Mm, there has to be a connection. She discovered ecofeminism. And of course, the term ecofeminism has an origin in Europe and in the global north and was primarily used in these parts of the world. However, throughout recent decades, the debate and the argument around ecofeminism has diversified, and the term is no longer Eurocentric or for white privileged women. The term and the idea is now regionalized because, as Maria says, all social fights are molded by regional context. Maria brings up an example of ecofeminism in Latin America, and an important concept to understand first is that Latin America is incredibly colonial, as it implies that the continent was discovered. But it has its own culture, and it didn't just adopt that of its conquestors. Specifically, the indigenous community of Guna, Colombia, are better referred to as Aviala than by their Latin American name. And many feminists are and have been Aviala and have supported the idea of non-Eurocentric ecofeminism. They talk of how women have always been a territory of conquest and the connection between eco and feminism. It has traditionally always been the same people who have oppressed women and who have exploited the earth. For Maria, there are various ways to see the connection between the earth and feminism and to understand the idea of ecofeminism. To her personally, it is clear to see that the climate movement is principally led by women, that statistically, women in positions of power reduce the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that harm the earth, that women are principally community leaders in defensive territory. And this aspect of ecofeminism is the most positive, that women are many times on the front lines of the problem and are working towards the solution. But an aspect of ecofeminism that cannot be ignored and that is also clear to see is that Latin America, and specifically Colombia and therefore Aviala, is the most dangerous region in the world to be a land defender. Mexico is the fourth most dangerous country and Colombia is the first. So you can see that all environmental defenders are vulnerable, but it is important to note here that those in the most danger are women, due to the violence in general that affects the continent. And not only this, but women are those who are principally displaced following natural disasters, which are worsened and expedited by climate change. Women are a large portion of the population living below the poverty line who are often forced to live in informal installations that face the greatest damage at the hand of said natural disasters. 
and systemically and socially, women in these regions are underprepared to defend themselves from natural disasters and have little access to necessary tools and have less opportunities for education. There is a clear, a clear connection between both fights. And Maria says that with their experience with theory, she believes that the fight for climate justice has to be feminist, and it has to be intersectional. Because if it is not, then we are ignoring all of the social aspects of the crisis. And this crisis is a crisis, it is urgent. What we have to remember is that the Earth is going to survive. The planet is going to survive. Who may not survive are us humans. So to resolve this, we have to intentionally have a focus on intersectionality. Claro que sí. La solución tiene que ser interseccional. Es muy, muy importante. Yes, the future must be intersectional. The solution must be intersectional. And I was really intrigued by all of the points that Maria brought up, not only because of how interesting and important they were, but also because of how they related to a previous conversation on this podcast. If you listen to the first episode in my Activism from All Angles series, where I spoke with Emiliana Rikenman, a climate activist from Colombia and the co-founder of Latinas for Climate, you'll remember how she also discussed the ideas of human rights in the fight for climate justice, of the role of women, and of course of Colombia and its reputation as the most dangerous country to be a land defender. It's really inspiring to hear these intersectional viewpoints from multiple young activists, as it is such a crucial part of the fight for climate justice that is often overlooked. At this point in the episode, you've heard a lot about the climate crisis, but I wanted to hear more from Maria about activism. Specifically, what is their personal significance of being an activist? Sí, sí, me parece muy interesante eso porque Maria explains justo, that she grew up listening to stories about Mexico's colonialism and how their people have resisted and are capable of quote fight back. And she grew up with the stories and the news of her grandparents, her abuelos, who have been activists all of their lives for the rights of farmers and students. And she formed the idea in her mind that being an activist meant always being on the streets, protesting in the masses and putting yourself at risk. And at first, she really didn't feel like an activist. It seemed like she wasn't doing enough, like she wasn't in enough risk. And she didn't really want to be. But she soon started to see that despite the image of activism that she'd been building in her mind, it really ran much deeper. She realized that there were still some risks and disruptions to her life associated with how she was protesting, even during the pandemic when she had the privilege to do activism virtually from home. She considers herself an activist now. And Maria has learned that being an activist is so much more than putting your body on the line for a cause you care about. It is also about information and educating yourself, intentionally widening your view of the world. This is a huge part of her activism. She writes and posts the periodic newsletter for Fridays for Future International. And she is working to build a platform for MAPA Voices. Again, 
Maria now considers herself an activist and understands that changing the world takes many forms and many fronts. She would never judge anyone with different beliefs or viewpoints about activism. But the significance of it to her is doing all that you can every day to change things. And I agree, there is no one way to define activism, and considering yourself an activist is different for everyone. To me, being an activist is about being resilient and non-complacent in the system, continuing to learn with an open mind and standing up for what you believe in, rather than remaining silent. This is pretty revolutionary. Next, I wanted to hear about Maria's vision for the future of the climate movement. To me, I envision it as continuing to grow, continuing to gain new passionate members, and continuing to make a huge impact. One that will save the planet. Claro, sí. Definitivamente creo que vamos a seguir creciendo. And Maria also thinks that we as a movement will continue growing. Activists are doing good work communicating with others, and the more that we communicate, the more people will join and find their motivation. Maria also loves that the movement is changing the narrative about the climate crisis. For example, when she was little, she would read books about climate change that talked about turning off lights and saving water, all emphasizing a narrative of individualism. However, now we are changing this narrative to emphasize that the climate crisis is a systemic issue. This can be seen in the International Fridays for Future movement, which started as a movement to fight for our future. However, throughout the last few years, it has changed to emphasize that we are not only fighting for the future, but also for the communities who are already experiencing the effects of climate change. Maria envisions the narrative of the movement to continue to change and adapt, and to become much more inclusive and much more intersectional. She would also like to see the movement listen to the most affected communities, as much as it listens to the science. As si por si por for the movement to continue to grow, more people will need to get involved. So I asked Maria if she has any advice for listeners who are not already involved in the movement for climate justice to help you get involved and make a tangible difference, with the understanding that many of you have very limited time and are very busy with school, sports, and other activities, which we all understand. But you can still make a difference. Sí, en definitiva, yo creo que no necesitas estar de tiempo completo para ser parte de, de esta ola. Maria emphasizes that you do not have to dedicate all of your time to make a difference in the movement for climate action. There are a lot of small things that you can do. First, you can inform yourself, like by listening to this podcast. She also suggests learning more about the climate crisis, but not just as an environmental issue, but also as a matter of social justice. Fridays for Future International has a lot of posts and information about this. But you can also help activists by sharing content, talking with others, and start to change the mindsets of those around you. Maria explains that the goal for powerful platforms of communication, like those of leaders, millionaires, and politicians, would be to help change the meaning. So, like we've discussed previously, they should stop promoting individual actions like riding bikes and using less water as the most important ways to stop climate change. Because while they are important, this perspective of individuality should emphasize connectivity and systemic change. 
So yes, there are a lot of ways to make a difference. And I'll emphasize here that everybody can find their place in the climate justice movement. In many communities, there are already organizations working towards just solutions. If there's one near you, join it. If there's not, you can always start one. But you don't have to, because as you've heard throughout this episode and in previous ones, there are many other, smaller ways to make a difference. Maria emphasizes this call to action. She says that while it is very good to continue learning each day, educating yourself, informing yourself about the climate crisis, that is not where you should stop. She agrees that it is not necessary to start a new organization or group, but asks you to think about how to take your perspectives about the climate crisis and incorporate them into actions you already take and groups you are already a part of. Her last call to action is to use your platforms and privileges to talk about the climate crisis and spread the knowledge. We are all young people, and our generation has immense power. I'd like to thank Maria for coming on my podcast and having this incredible conversation. I hope that you were able to learn more about intersectionalities, ecofeminism, and think deeper about activism today. If you want to check out the episode in Spanish, head over to my platform. Muchísimas gracias, Anabel, por invitarme y por platicar conmigo hoy. Thank you for listening to On Strike with Insight, activism from all angles. I hope this conversation helps you to think about world issues, activism, and the climate crisis through a different lens, and push you to consider how you can get involved. For updates on my podcast and the exciting Activism from All Angles series, follow at OnStrikeWithInsight on Instagram. And it would be incredible if you headed over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and left a star rating and a review to help my podcast reach more listeners. If you'd like to get involved with the podcast or be featured in a future Activism from All Angles episode, send me a DM or email me at AnnabellProkopy at gmail.com. See you for the next episode of On Strike with insight.